Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 167 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for giving the episode a listen. In this episode, I'm going to look back at round nine and as well as some of the news of the early part of the week and uh, get into some of your comments that you've shared with me out on social media today as well. Don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club get a shout out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note in an email or shoot me a message on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. I love being able to highlight these clubs and learn about uh, their history. Love seeing the logos, uh, the color combinations, that sort of thing, and finding out who, you know, who has played at these clubs in the past, especially you know, players who have gone on to the AFL or maybe had been in the VFL or have gone on to the Waffle or the Sandful. Or, or other competitions like that. And I have to tell you, the uh, the logo on the club this week, and this is a club that uh, another listener recommended that I feature, and this week's, or this episode's club is the Tyab Yabbies. And they, like I said, the Yabbies are a club that a listener recommended. The club was founded way back in 1899, and I have to tell you, I have no idea what a yabby was until I saw the jumper. It looks like it's a crab or a lobster. I think it's a crab of some sort. Um, now that I've seen it, I would love to have a sticker for this one because I think it's really sharp. I think it'd be great to put that on my desk. Now, the club was around uh, until it went into recess in 1952 and did not come back until 1977. And the club saw their their under-18s group make it to the grand, their grand final in 1984, but overall they had struggled during the later part of the 70s when they came back and into the early 1980s. And they kind of refocused on their junior squad, and this led to them uh, earning a premiership in 1993. And in 2010, they introduced netball under the uh, the Taeb, um umbrella, if you will. So best of luck to the Yabbies going forward in 2022. I will put a link to their uh, website. Uh on the uh, show notes. And again, folks, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. I do hope that you'll consider checking it out. You could leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue. Uh, if you've got a question, if you are somebody who's interested in being a guest on the podcast, and I just did a great interview the other day that I'm going to be bringing to you later on this week, and I've got another one signed up or signed up to go this Saturday morning, Melbourne time. Uh, which I'm very excited about. This one, we've had to move back a couple times. And uh, also this weekend coming up, I'm going to be heading to our state capital to go watch uh, three of the clubs in the USAFL compete in a little round-robin tournament. So I'm very excited about doing that. I'll see Columbus, the Cats, and the o the Ohio Valley River Rats, which I believe are an extension of the Cincinnati Dockers. And then also the club from St. Louis, the St. Louis Blues, are going to be making a trip across a couple states to come play as well. So again, if you get over on the website, you can also sign up for the mailing list. And I do hope that you'll do that. So when new episodes come out, they'll get to you immediately. And it's uh, it's a great way for you to get the show, not having to wait for it, because once it gets published, I shoot off that email to uh, whomever happens to have a uh, their name on the subscription list there. And they've got it within about 60 seconds of the episode being published. So 
if you want to get on there, that'd be that'd be great. And if you want to help out the show, you can uh, click on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner of my website. Uh, big shout-out, a big thank you to the gentleman who went above and beyond. I was very, uh, I was stunned, quite frankly, um, by what transpired a couple of nights ago. And, and thank you again, sir. That was uh, very generous of you. Uh, also, if you're interested in any of the podcast gear, you can find that over on my Redbubble page. You can click on the button up at the top of the website for that as well. Now, before I dive into the episode, I wanted to take a couple of moments here and uh, pay uh, tribute to a few important people that we've lost over the last uh, week or so in the last few days. And one of them was just earlier today. Uh, and Valet Mario Biasin. And I hope I have pronounced your name correctly, sir. And I apologize to your family if I did not get this correct. Uh, Mr. Biasin was a lifelong bomber supporter. He was the founder of Metricon Homes, the stadium name. And he was also a member of the club's Essendonians Coterie Group for many, many years and was a major contributor. He was 71. Uh, all of you who are Bomber supporters and uh, Mario's family, I pass my condolences on to you. Also, Valet, Dr. Alan Doc McKenzie. And Dr. McKenzie spent seven years as the Bears and Lions Club Doctor in Brisbane, as well as being a selector and put on the, one of the match committee chairs. He was the president of the Southport Sharks Football Club for 48 years. And he'd been directly involved in the game for that period of time, for almost a half century. And in 2008, he joined what was known as the GC-17 bid to bring an AFL club to the Gold Coast. That happened a year later, as we all know, when the club got their provisional license in March of 2009. And he served as a board member for a decade and was one of the club's first life members. Now, according to the Suns media, he was a life member of the AFL Queensland. And in 2000, he received the Australian Sports Medal and the AFL Merit Award in 2003. And uh, I pass my condolences along to Dr. McKenzie's family, to the Gold Coast Suns uh, family as well. These gentlemen both played in integral roles in their clubs. And I do, do deeply pass along my condolences. Now, on a personal note... And this one is hitting home for me. This is a, a uh, this is happening here in Ohio. So this is somebody that most of you are, well, none of you are likely going to know. But I'm going to go ahead and pass this along anyway. I want to say valet to Stan Stewart. And Stan passed away at the age of 75 this past Friday. And he was a dear friend and mentor of mine. For the last 11 years, I have worked as the public address announcer at the school where I teach announcing both gridiron football and soccer games for our, both our men's and women's soccer. And then our football games for kids grade six through the high school varsity squad, which would be the senior squad. If you want to call it that now, Stan, he began working uh, after he got out of college uh, he spent some time as a, a baseball pitcher in the minor leagues of, of professional baseball, the Philadelphia minor league system. He pitched at AAA, so if you happen to be here in the States, he made it almost to the majors. Um, but in, 19, in 1971, he came to Sandusky, where I live, and ended up working as a probation officer within our juvenile court system. He worked as a bailiff as well. 
And in 1973, he beat 1973. I think about that. 1973. That's 49 years ago. Okay. Six decades, if you think about it, from the 70s through the 2020s. Okay. He began working as a statistician for our football team for almost 50 years. And he eventually went on to do stats for both our boys and girls basketball teams as well. And was also hired by our conference to maintain all of the data and all of the records for all of the clubs in our conference for the span of over 30 years as well. Now, this gentleman, was, was he was an honorable man at a, at a very good heart in terms of his kindness. Now, he had, a, he had heart issues for many, many years. Um, but he was just, you know, a great family man, come, comes from a great family. Now, occasionally I would able to get him to watch a few clips of AFL football because sometimes before games would start, I would have games on on my computer and he'd kind of come over and look over my shoulder and he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick with gridiron. So I, I, I'm going to miss you, Stan. You were a lot of fun. You were compassionate. You, you were and are and will remain an icon in Perkins Pirate Sports. Now, one of the things that I've been doing here, as you know, many stadiums, Marvel, GMBHA Stadium, you know, Metricon, you know, there are licensing fees that are paid for stadiums. Our stadium where I teach uh, is sponsored by the local hospital, the Firelands Regional Health Systems Stadium. Well, the press box where I work for the last 10 years or 11 years of its existence, it was sponsored by a local car dealership. Now, that car dealership has one more year left on its contract, but what is interesting is that that car dealership actually sold to another company and is operating under a different name right now, but we did not update the, the sign on the press box. It still has the old company name on there. But I have been pushing now for the last six years or so to get the press box renamed after Stan. And I think it's finally going to happen. Unfortunately, it's going to happen after he's passed away, which is, which is sad. But I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to happen because I cannot wait to announce that it's the Stewart press box. I'm, I'm excited about that. That'll probably happen in 2023. So I hope to continue being able to announce uh, at that point in time, if they'll have me back, I think I do an okay job. People tell me that I do. Um, but Stan, you will always be in our hearts at Perkins High School. And uh, goodbye, my friend. And we are going to miss you. And I promise that as soon as I get back up into the press box here soon, I will have a sign over your seat announcing that that seat is reserved for you. Other people will sit there, but it will always be your seat. So the Bombers, the Suns, my Perkins Pirates all lost somebody very, very special to them. I wish their families peace and comfort as they move forward. So let's take a look at some of the gains from this round, okay? And we're not going to get into all of them. We'll talk about a number of them, however. The Bulldogs were absolutely dominant in their win against the Magpies. They had nine players with 20-plus disposals, and five of those had over 30. You had four players that kicked three goals apiece. Adam Trelor, Josh, Josh Dunkley, Aaron Naughton, and Buku Kamas all kicked three goals apiece. They jumped out to a 
point first quarter lead. And what was impressive, they added on to that lead every single quarter. They didn't fall back at all. They kept adding on a little bit here and there. Even though it might have been two or three points a quarter, they continued to keep the pressure on the Magpies through the entire game. Now, remember earlier a month ago, we were writing off the Bulldogs. I think they were, what, two and five? One and five, something like that. Their record was was abysmal. And we were thinking, okay, this club is done. Now, this is a club that I actually picked to win the grand final. Could that still happen? Sure. If they get everybody back healthy, um, you know, you're going to need to get, uh, you're going to need to get Tim English back out there. You're definitely going to need to get uh, uh, Josh Bruce back out there, hopefully soon uh, to help um, make the push towards finals. But this is a club that is righted the ship. Okay. And they're only a game off the pace of the Tigers and the Cats right now. They're behind a little bit in percentage, but they're still only one game behind the, both of them right now. Now, the Tigers, they battled and clawed and fought their way to a 23-point win against the Hawks. This was actually a pretty close game, but they pulled away at the end. Dusty Martin, Tom Lynch, Jack Rewalt combined for 10 goals. Luke Bruce and Mitchell Lewis kicked three apiece for the Hawks. The Tigers dominated the hitouts by a 3-1 to one margin. But if you look at what the clearances looked like the Hawks kept that close. So they got in there and got clearances from the hitouts from the opposing ruck more often than not. So the Tigers, they've begun to hit their stride. And, and of course, I, I think it helps having Dusty back in their side. It's going to give them a lot of confidence. It's going, to, it's going to get them feeling good going forward here. Now, of course, there are these rumors out there that that Dusty's moving to Sydney next year. Again, I have no clue if that's the case. I, I'll be honest, I don't know the connection that that Dusty has to Sydney. I'm not in the loop on that. I, I'm is he from there or is he is he did he live in that area before he started playing with the Tigers? I mean, I know that his father had been exiled is probably the best word uh, to New Zealand, but uh, I don't know that Dusty is is from the Sydney area, but it sure sounds like some people are thinking that he might be heading back that way or heading that way, I should say. So the Tigers, like I said, they've begun to hit their stride. And this is a club that has a tough stretch coming up here, um, I think, after this week. This week they've got a, uh, I think they've got a, a not as tough a game. But going forward, they've, they've got a slightly tougher schedule coming up here. But this is, again, this is a very experienced side. This is a club that, ha- that has won, th- what, three out of the last five grand finals? If you do the math there. So this is a club that knows how to win. And if they find themselves in a position to do it, well, guess what? It could certainly happen again. But who knows what's going to go on with uh, the uh, the Cyberdyne System squad that is the Melbourne Demons. I mean, they just keep grinding along. And it's just kind of a quirk in the schedule where they've gone from having, uh, I believe they had the West Coast Eagles last week, and I believe they played North Melbourne this week. So this is this is going to be an opportunity. And... and Let's be honest here. You look at the way the, the way that the game is designed here. They do have one club, only one game behind them. That being Brisbane. Yeah, Fremantle we'll talk about in a moment, but Fremantle lost their second game of the season to drop two, you know, two games off the pace. So the D's, I'm sure, are going to want to put as much percentage on the board as they possibly can. So I if you're uh a, a, a 
Rue supporter, they're gunning for you this week, okay? I can I can assure you that the D's are going to want to have as wide a margin of victory as they possibly can to push that 159-point percentage even higher than what it is right now and have that buffer between themselves and Brisbane and whomever may get close to them. And again, who knows if the D's are going to lose this year. I would imagine they're going to start resting some people here and there just to get them ready for finals to keep them healthy. But we shall see. Now, two of the better games this weekend, one of my thought was going to be this, and it and it didn't turn out the way that I wanted, because again, full disclosure, I am a Cat supporter. The Saints and Cats, this was a classic battle. And if you go back and you look at the stat sheet from this game, there were so many stats that were just identical to one another. And it's... Uh, and I guess that, that's, that speaks maybe volumes about the Cats because they played okay in three quarters, but they got absolutely spanked in the third quarter. I'm sorry. The, the Saints came out after halftime. I don't know what Brett Ratton said in halftime. I don't know if he did. Yeah, I hear the stories about uh, you know some of the, the local clubs where, the, where the, co- the senior coach will come out at, at halftime and he'll, you know, he'll break out a slab of beer and just say, okay, let's go out and win this thing. Kind of like the, te- the the movie Major League, if you've seen that. I don't think they did that with the Saints, but they came out and just absolutely exploded in the third quarter for seven goals four. And they flipped the score. They were down 16, and by the time the, thir- the third quarter was over, they were up 16. So it was a 32-point swing in that third quarter. And, uh, you know, the Cats just they didn't know what hit them. They could not stem the tide at all. And uh, yeah, Brad Crouch had a monster game with 36 disposals, seven tackles, and five clearances. Patty Ryder, well, while there wasn't a huge advantage in the total number of hitouts, gosh, he's just so effective. And, and you know, the one, and I think it was, was it Jack Billings, I believe it was? It was that late goal in the game that kind of pushed them over the top. It was a tap that he hit kind of behind himself. And, and as they described on television, it was a set play. I mean, it, it rivaled some you know, some of the best no-look passes that I've seen point guards in the NBA make, where they've been, you know, you know, stuff that Magic Johnson would have done back in the 1970s, where he's he's breaking to his left and he pushes the ball off to his right and James Worthy floats in for a an easy dunk because nobody was looking at him at all. It was phenomenal. And again, is the this is the Rowan Marshall and Patty Ryder combination? I'm not going to say it's the best because you've got, you know, Max gone and, and, uh, and Luke Jackson, but you know, the, the cats, they continue to struggle in the ruck position. And I, I saw somebody saying, well, you know, what about putting Mark Blitzavs in the, in the ruck permanently? I think before you can do that, you got to get Jack Henry back in the side defensively. Cause you need a little bit of size back there. You know, Sam DeConing's played pretty well, but he still is, you know, he's still getting some experience back there. You know, Tom Stewart's still phenomenal. You know, Cole Jazzy's going to need to go back there, I think, as well still. You know, they'll need to get Jed Buse back, I believe, this week, coming off of, an, off of a concussion. But, um, you know, Tom Hawkins did kick four goals to pace the Cats. But I have to be honest, and this is not to take anything away from the Saints because the Saints played one hell of a game. And I, I put this on on one of the, the, uh, the Cats message boards uh, after the game was over. You know, when, when people award their 3-2-1, I said that I, I said that I was going to give one point to Zach Tui 
and I was just going to keep the other five points in my pocket because I didn't think that the other five should be awarded to anyone. The club looked slow. They struggled to make tackles, although that you know you look at the numbers, the tackles were still pretty close, but there were a lot of tackles that, that should have been made that didn't. A lot of people, you know, being critical about you know Grind Meyer's inability to chase down and tackle. And the way you know, looking at Grind Meyer's defensively and again, he's been with the club for three years, four years now. But he reminds me of what in some ways defensively what Zach Guthrie looked like about four years ago. And Zach Guthrie, you know, say what you will about him. He's kind of been the whipping boy for the the cats, and people like to make fun of the fact that that he's not the he's not the 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 steadier of the two Guthrie brothers on the club. But he's really started to come into his own a little bit when he's had opportunities, and he's filled out. You know, he's packed on some muscle, and I and I just wonder. And and most of you have played this game again. I've only watched it in person a couple of times. I, you know, I've never seen an AFL game in person here, but is somebody like a Brian Myers just too slight of build? Is there just not enough bulk to his body to actually be able to bring down an opposing an opposing player in a tackle? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, we would, you know, we would say here, you know, that maybe he just doesn't have enough ass on him to to go ahead and make that, you know, make the kind of tackles that he needs to make. Um, you know, the Saints. They're only nine percentage points behind the Swans for the fifth spot. This is a club that could very easily be top four by the time it's all said and done. And, and they've got some key injuries. If they get healthy, who knows? Okay. Who knows what could happen here? But to me, and like I said, I think the Cat Suns game was, was a great game. I'm not taking anything away from what the, the, the Saints did. Saints played a fantastic game. Hat tip to the Saints for that. Okay. But I'll tell you what, the game that I, and I've said this about this club before, you know, the, the Suns, you go back and you look a few weeks ago, and the Suns just got absolutely vivisected defensively. They couldn't stop anybody. You know, had I been on the ground, it looks like maybe I could have scored a goal against the defense because it was not terribly solid for several games. But they've sure tightened it up here lately. And they really tightened it up with the assistance of the weather a little bit, with the rain. Um... But, you know, they held the top four Dockers to two goals six over the last three quarters. Two goals six. 18 points over three quarters. That's it. 18 points. That's phenomenal. And, you know, this is, this is you know, quite of a, I think, a statement game for the Suns. And they've got a huge one coming up this week at Ballarat against the Bulldogs. I, I can't wait to watch that one. That's going to be really exciting. Okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, of course, I don't know if I'll be watching that one live because I have to look at what my schedule is because I'm doing an interview on Friday evening here and then I have to get up early and drive to Columbus, our state capital, which is about two and a half hours away to go watch some footy. Now, I know this is going to sound strange to say it, but that win actually propelled them. I know that's just kind of a, a goofy term to use because it propelled them all the way to 12th on the ladder. Now, that's the highest they've ever finished on the ladder before. Still have a long way to go. But this is a club that has taken that kind of piecemeal forward line, you know, with Levi Casbolt, Mabi Archol, who's certainly getting better this year. Game after game after game, he's getting a lot more confidence. You know, he learned in many ways under the tutelage of uh, Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch for several years. 
he's now got that ability to go out there and 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 be the guy. Now, I can't help but wonder how things would have been had Ben King been healthy this year. Maybe Mabiar Chol does not have the season he's having. Maybe Levi Casbolt is playing in the twos. Maybe he can't get a game. Maybe maybe they've put him some. Maybe he's back playing on, on in the defensive six. I don't know. But think about what this means for 2023. They've got a fairly solid young midfield. You've you've got a small forward in Isaac Rankin who's finally decided. You know what? Yeah, I'm a goal sneak. But I can also play pretty damn good defense as well. They may not they may not make finals this year, but I bet there are a lot of people who next year who when they're making out their ladder predictions, if they're honest, might be sliding Gold Coast into the eight. I know I'm already thinking about it. We'll see what one more draft does for them before that happens. But uh, you know, hat tip to them. Now, I, I did reach out on several of the message boards tonight, and I didn't do this on every single one of them this week, but I reached out to like eight or nine of them and just asked, you know, what were your thoughts about your club this week? What are you thinking going forward? Uh, what was good? What was not good? That type of thing. And I, I'm just going to read through a couple of little excerpts that I got from people here. And first, a couple from St. Kilda supporters. Uh, John said that heading into Adelaide, reasonably confident, not overly confident, though. Steel is hard to replace if all the on-ballers do their bit in his absence. We should be okay. We should show every we should throw everything at Adelaide because the following week we have North and then the bye and hopefully sitting at eight and three. So they're already thinking that if they get past Adelaide, they're gonna get past North. And eight and three, you figure you've got to win three, maybe four more games in the second half to make finals. Not a bad place to be. If you can get to eight and three before you hit the bye week. That's a pretty good place to be. Steven said Crouch will step up and gather another 35 against his old side, and Winhager should slot straight in for uh, for Steele. Uh, Mark said it's a game that will really show how far the side has come. Do we take it too easy and drop it a game that we really should win? Or do they turn up ready for a fight like they should should every game? I'm expecting the latter, as I think they've matured a bit this year. No time is is good to lose steel, but I think a number of mids being in, some, being in some really good form will help cover for him. We're still going to need someone to do the hard stuff inside, the tackling, covering the oppo- an opposing mid, that sort of thing. All all that experienced work. So hopefully Crouch and Seb can cover that, and Gress, JB, Winhager, and maybe Owens to do the outside ball movement. So great insight there from the different uh, Saint supporters there. I heard from a couple of folks from uh, Gold Coast as well. One was very short and sweet, and the other one, who you've heard before if you listen to the podcast, arguably the most passionate Sun supporter out there, and he doesn't even live on the Gold Coast. Bob said, if we win this week, then the F word is in play. Two in a row is great, but consistency is everything. And, of course, we know what F word he's talking about, right? Say it with me. Finals. Now, Linton, Linton Phillip, who I had on as my uh, guest previewing the Suns in both 2021 and this year, he said, I've always been quite optimistic and some may say bullish about where our team is heading. I'm not surprised by the last few weeks, but it is comforting to know we are now getting some reward for the years of hard work by Dew and company. 
He deserves to be the man in charge when we push and qualify for finals, given his commitment, development, and belief in the boys. I've always stuck by and supported Dew and glad we are starting to show some promise. It's also terrific to see the footy community starting to take notice of us now. One com- comment by Justin Longmuir after the game really struck out, stuck out to him. And I actually had this in my notes as well. But when I went back and read what Linton had here, I went ahead and just deleted it from mine because, you know, he, he basically said the exact same thing. But this is something I saw on Sunday that really stuck out to me as well. And if you haven't heard this yet, Longmuir said that I think it's interesting with the Suns. When they lose, they cop it. And when they win, it's the other team that's having a down day. They played really well today, and from what I've seen on tape during the week, they've been playing some really good footy, so they deserve all the credit today. And I and Lint, uh, Linton goes on to say, and I must must say he's on the money here. We hardly get credit when we win because it's about op- the opposition and how bad they were. When we lose, boy, do we cop it. And he, he's certainly right there, okay? Now, I heard from uh, Rick Shabani, a giant supporter. Uh, Rick has been on the podcast a couple of times. Huge, huge fan of the, uh, uh, or a uh, friend of the show. Hopefully he's a fan as well. Um, but he said he's happy that Leron Cameron got the send off with a lot of class and respect. And he hopes that Mark McVeigh can work some of the magic as the GWS interim coach. You know, he can, as, you know, as, uh, Peps and J Dog like to say over there on the, uh, the uh, Lace Out podcast, you know, he's going to spin the magnets and get people where he thinks it can be advantageous for them to win. And maybe with him getting a shot at actually having the job for real as well. And then I heard from a couple of people from Port Adelaide. Um, actually, one in particular. Uh, where Rob said, now that the injured players are returning, Port will make the eight and challenge the finals again. Can't believe the flack that, that Hinkley copped. Poor pe- people forgot Port finished second in the minor round last year. Uh, James, I guess there was a second person here. I didn't put a space in here. James said last week versus North was 50-50. 50% acceptable, quarters one and four. 50% garbage, quarters two and three. Next, next weekend versus Geelong in Geelong, the power must be switched on for playing four quarters of high tempo, intense pressure footy, and kick straight for goals to get the scoreboard value with, for effort. If Frio can beat Geelong in Geelong, there's no reason why we can't beat Geelong in Geelong. Well, quick sidebar. Um, James, I hope you're wrong. Okay, there. I'll take my cat's hat back off now. Now, I did hear from a handful of Essendon supporters as well, and they're not happy, okay? Charlie said, that, you know, the thing that he's most concerned about was the lack of tackles. The idea that some players are guaranteed to play in the first from a contractual perspective. Now, I'm not sure about all of that, but are there people who who are signed to contracts with Essendon that say that they'll only play in the ones? I mean, I didn't know that that sort of thing could happen, but maybe it does. Uh, Allen stated... There's no desire to win the ball. Too many times our players stood back and defended like they were playing basketball. Hands out, not going in for the ball. To have the ball, you need to contest and get the ball. Bruce Free, unfortunately. I bet if Smith played last week, he would have stood up against the taunts and and remonstrated when Merritt went down. He may have also given away a couple of frees, too. I want to see the effort and desire to win the ball. It's AFL footy, not Gaelic footy. Sorry if you're listening in, uh, in Ireland there. And Stephen uh, said, our depth is a massive issue. People talk about injuries. In my humble opinion, we have five best 22 players out, out, and nearly every club has at least that many out every week. Supporters say, bring in the youth. Lord Hurd and middle-aged McDonough, only runners not tried. Brand Iyer and McBride, only bigs. 
not tried from watching the twos are miles off. We have about a half dozen death players getting a game week in and week out. They aren't the role players because there's too many of them. We have no absolute top-end talent, and apart from three blokes, we have no speed. I fear for our club. And somebody by the name of Tangles responded to him. He said, spot on. Our VFL side hasn't won a game, and I think they're around 50%. There's nobody coming through. Wow. If, if you're an Essendon supporter, that's uh, that's a very sobering statement from both of those gentlemen there. Um, and I'm not all that familiar with the, the bottom half of the of the Essendon list there, but uh, it sounds like it's it's way down at the bottom then if they haven't won a game at the VFL side. Uh, Nadia, who's a Richmond supporter, said that uh, she's excited about the versatility of many of their players, Short, Bakes, DiRioli, Camden, Shea, even Trent. Preston and Lambert are essential to our style, and MJ's non-countable actions that create goal opportunities for others is elite. Love their capacity to stream up and down the ground and make a difference. And then she asked, by the way, what's the name of your podcast? So I did share the name of the podcast with her because I, it's the logo, of course, on Facebook. It says what it's called, but yeah, I don't mind sharing it there. I don't want to overshare it because I'm, I don't want to alienate any of these groups and have them say, well, you need to leave because all you're doing is posting this stuff here. So I think that actually getting it, people engaging with these kinds of things is going to maybe help keep me in the good graces of the mods and those different things because sometimes I've seen some of these groups and not these, but I've seen some of these have become little fiefdoms where the person that's in charge, they're in charge. And we don't necessarily need that. Now, I heard from a couple people who are Sydney supporters as well. I've got uh, just two more clubs, or three more clubs, I should say. Uh, Catherine said, we have to play our best game and kick straight and don't give any free kicks. They have to they have to forget what happened last time we played at Marvel. And Craig, not me, said, tough game, but if we play our best, play at our best, we should be a little bit too good, but we have to start well and kick straight. And then we got a couple uh, Carlton supporters here. Uh, Michael said, the next time we leave Melbourne is mid-July with a bye thrown in, so travel won't be a concern. Well, that's rather pragmatic there. That's that's good to hear. Uh, Corey said, I was real confident on a win, only uh, missed it at Kilda for the nine. Good teams learn how to win with injuries, so he got eight out of nine, it looks like. I think our forward line worked better. McKay has been injured, not leading to getting everyone not leading, getting everyone just to uh, bomb it into him. That's not the way to play once he gets back to full fitness and starts to look, uh, to lead lookout. So, and you've got you know you got a you know a couple great options there when he's healthy with he and Kernow. You know that's you know you've got a you've got a Coleman medalist there, and Kernow has been phenomenal. And Anton uh, Carlton supporter said the GWS game was a terrific team effort, and I love seeing the boys play with the team first mindset. Sydney's a very good side, and we we have one less day to prepare, but at least it's at home. If we can bring out our hard game to them, we should win, but I wouldn't take them lightly. A lot may depend on who's available. And then we get to the last group, and these are a handful of North Melbourne supporters. And Peter said, I think there are small positives every week. Can we stay in the game and be competitive for four quarters? Getting games into kids, the emergence of Bailey Scott, uh, Horn Francis, Curtis Taylor, uh, LDU, and Simpkin. And Glenn said, uh, rebuilds take years. Unfortunately, the way the system works at this point in time, most clubs need to bottom out and be rebooted with fresh talent. We are at rock bottom of our rebuild. I thought the intensity at times was a little better last week. 
and that is all I'm looking for at this point. Stick with Noble. He's got a tough gig and is trying to be positive, which is exactly what you need uh, when you are the whipping boys. Judge him when he has a decent list. And that's certainly a fair statement because I did ask in there, in the question that I posed to that group, I asked, is David Noble the right guy for the job? And most of the people said yes. I don't believe I saw any, because, and I didn't, you know, I had several of these, I had you know, a couple dozen responses. I only picked out two or three. I don't think I had anybody that said, no, David Noble's not the guy for the job. I don't think anybody said that. And Tony, the, uh, Tony, I left this in for last. Tony said, I'll be taking a pill on Thursday and hopefully waking up Wednesday next week. And I won't read the results. I'll probably then go out and buy some North Melbourne merch to help support my patheticness. <laughs> so, Tony, I appreciate your, your chuckle there. Um, you know, stick with your club. Yeah, I... That club's had a lot of success over the years. You know, for those of you that don't know, I've been a Cleveland Browns fan my entire life. And the last time they won a championship, I was a year old. And I will be 59 in a little over a month. So it's been a while. Okay. I've had a lot of heartbreak. Now, they won several championships before I was born. I still count them as having won them. I just wasn't around for it. So, folks, I, I do appreciate all of those those of you who did reach out and shared your thoughts. I, I, I like doing this. I love getting your, your thoughts, uh, your input. Um, because I can't talk to everybody. And like I said, I, I've said before, I'm still working out some of the glitches of the live episode uh, app that runs through Podbean. I'm still getting feedback through that. Uh, so I'm on like a little bit of a delay when I'm speaking. So that's been a bit of a problem that I still haven't figured out how to resolve. It didn't used to do that, do that cause I've used it for the last couple of years. And the first time I tried it this year, it was doing that and it's continued. So I'm still working on getting that figured out. So again, um, while I'm a cat supporter, for those of you that don't know, uh, I haven't exactly confessed to that yet in the Carlton room, but if you're listening, yes, I am a cat supporter. Uh, but I'm doing my best to learn about all of the clubs and your insight is so helpful uh, and you're tremendous in providing your views and, and just knowledge that I don't have because I don't have the baseline for it that you have for, from generations, you know, from decades of following your clubs. So I appreciate that. I promise you when I'm in your group, I'm going to be there being inquisitive. I'm not that person that's coming in, that's sneaking in, that supports another club that's going to come in and be an asshat. That's not me. I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not, I'm going to be coming in with the honey, not the vinegar. All right. So folks, I'm really looking forward to, to what round 10 brings. I will be uh, getting out my tips a little bit later on this week. I do have to go to Stan's uh, funeral tomorrow. Um, I also have a, an interview that I completed over the weekend that I'll be releasing this week. I sat down uh, to talk with Troy West uh, some of you may know him as Catman, the uh, cat super supporter. Great conversation, lots of laughs. Um, really looking forward to sharing that with you. Now, folks, don't forget that you can reach me by email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com, over on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook, just look for the podcast uh, page, a yank on the footy podcast. Again, my old Facebook page is gone. It is in the digital ash heap of history, never to be seen again. And Facebook, you still suck for having done that. There, I said it. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at a yank on the footy. Now, of course, if you want to, you know, 
do the whole friend thing on Facebook, just look for my name, Craig Wessels. There are some of us out there, but mine will have the little icon there that says a yank on the footy on it. Okay. So I'll more than likely say, yep, because you're people who I want to engage with about the game. Okay. Now, many of you have already signed up for the mailing list and I thank you for that. Um, I encourage you to ask your friends to sign up as well. Okay. Or maybe, maybe you just sneak in and put their email address in for them. Um, no, don't do that. Let's let, let's let it be organic. If they, if they want to sign up for the mailing list, let them do that. Okay. Um, so folks, you know, when I do finally decide to do live episodes again, and I may just do them on zoom calls, it may just work out better than that. Um, you can find, uh, that document over there in the show notes, um, to do that. You can, you can find the link that's going to take you there. But if you go to my website, yankonthefooty.com, you can, uh, fill out the, uh, email sign up there and it'll actually pop up on your screen after about five seconds. Okay. Uh, folks, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, we're fans of our clubs. We're almost halfway through the season, which, which is scary. It just started and we're almost halfway through now. And, uh, we love this game. We're not always happy about it. I did see the, uh, little clip that came off of TikTok with the different uh, interpretations of umpiring since the 80s. I thought that was very funny. Craig Smithers from Perth sent that to me. Uh, a lot of laughs there. So, folks, if you're enjoying the show, I do hope you'll consider sharing a link with your friends and family. If you uh, have an inkling to do so and you want to head over to my website and leave a review or go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show, that would be a huge help. That allows me to... Uh, share those reviews out with people and gives me a little bit more credibility with, with folks who might be wondering who this American is that that's talking about our game. Okay. So if you have the desire to do that, that'd be, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, folks look out for each other, be kind, um, call your friends, make sure they're okay. All right. And folks, as always, May your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 167 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at a yank on the footy or on Facebook at a yank on the footy podcast. Also check out the website, a yank on the footy.com and folks, thanks for listening and please consider sharing this episode with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.